Hello, this is Dr. Tia Barnes, and welcome to the Scholarly Self-Care Podcast, where we will talk all about the SEL, or social-emotional learning, in self-care. This podcast is for educators, parents, and caregivers of children and youth. Each week, we will talk about your well-being to put you in a better space to support the well-being of the children in your life. Ready to get started? Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Scholarly Self-Care Podcast. For those of you that this is your first episode, welcome. And for those of you that have come back, thank you for joining me for another episode. So today I wanted to take some time and talk about self-care in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement. And this topic is very near and dear to me as a Black woman in America. So the focus of the Black Lives Matter movement is on anti-racism and specifically focused on systemic racism related to police brutality in this country. And this movement has resulted in a lot of social media focus and just media focused overall on the discriminatory practices and the systemic racism that has occurred in this country since the beginning of its um, creation and on how that has affected people of color and more specifically black people in America. So in the midst of all this, we've talked or you may have seen lots of discussions around this in particular related to police killings. You may have seen it as it relates to incarceration maybe even in health and in other areas, but I wanted to focus in today on how racism affects mental health specifically and also on race-related stress and how we can begin to use self-care as a means to support individuals who do have to deal with race-related stress on a regular basis. I also, though, want to make it clear that in the focus on self-care within this, I'm not saying that race-related stress is the responsibility of the person that is experiencing it only, and it is up to them to change it. This is going to be something that is actually going to require the entire country to change, and I'll talk a little bit about that as well. But this is more or less a way to support the individual at the current time as we also advocate and work as activists around social justice in this country and equity in this country. So I do want to make it clear that this episode specifically is going to be dedicated to Black educators, parents, and caregivers. My hope is that this podcast is something that will draw people from diverse backgrounds I want this to be a podcast that people from lots of different racial and ethnic backgrounds, religions, the gamut of diversity can listen in on, tune into, and learn things from. But with that said, this particular episode is going to be focused on this population of individuals, specifically because I'm talking from my experience as a Black woman in this country. And I also want to 
make it clear that though I say that this episode is dedicated to a certain population, know that there's probably worth in all individuals listening to it. One, to learn more about the experiences that individuals who are of Black descent may have been going through in this country. And then also just as an episode to listen to, to learn about some of the self-care strategies that I'm going to recommend in terms of implementation and that you can potentially pass on to your friends as something for them to listen to, to support them during this time as well. Okay, so now let's get started with this episode. The first thing I want to talk about is this idea of systemic racism. And I want to talk a little bit about what it is and how it affects us in terms of race-related stress. So systemic racism focuses on the systems and structures that have procedures or processes in place that are going to disadvantage certain groups. And in this case, I'm talking specifically about systemic racism, and how it disadvantages Black people in America. So the influence of systemic racism and the issues with systemic racism specifically related to our mental health is that it's pretty much all-encompassing. It affects pretty much all areas of our lives. And it's done in subtle ways where it's just the status quo. It's just how life works. But then when you really start to like peel that onion and and start to look at it, you see how things are set up in a way where as Black people in America, we have to work harder. We have to push more. We have different challenges and boundaries set up that may not be there for other populations. So one of the key things here with systemic racism is that it influences all aspects of life. So this is, it's related to the wealth gap. It's related to employment. It's related to housing discrimination. It's related to incarceration and arrest rates, to immigration policies, and to health. And so in essence, it's playing a part in every area of our lives. And one great resource that I wanted to share with you all to learn more about systemic racism is a resource called Race Forward. It's an organization and they have actually a series of videos on their website that describe these different areas of systemic racism. And so I think that would be a good resource if you're interested in learning more about this. So systemic racism is more or less, I consider it like the overall racist structure in place. But in addition to that, we can face racism on a day-to-day basis that is more individual, so not necessarily as societal, but individual. And this I refer to as more overt and covert racism. And the overt racism is going to be racism that you're going to possibly encounter, but it won't be quite as often as the covert racism. And in some ways, the covert racism is a bit more damaging in the sense that it's not a clear act of racism that you can look at and say, yeah, that was wrong. You know, it's not someone calling you the N-word. It's not someone 
telling you you're dumb because you're black or whatever else. It's not that clear. It's those microaggressions that can occur on a day-to-day basis that leave you wondering, did that really happen? Why is it that no one else is thinking this is inappropriate? Is it me? Am I thinking too much into it? And it causes you to question yourself in a way that over time it can chip away at you in ways that overt racism may not do so. And again, it's also more common and it occurs sometimes on a day-to-day basis, depending on your work environment, depending on where you live and the things that you're involved in. So it can, in essence, have a larger effect on you. So I'm sitting here talking about effects and you may be wondering, okay, what are these effects of racism on you? Well, the first thing is it leads to race-related stress. So this is this continuous stress, this continuous overarching feeling that you have to be doing more. You have to work harder. You're pretty much, it's you against the world. In essence, it's you against society that has put you at a disadvantage. And to have to go through life in that way on a day-to-day basis is going to put a strain on you mentally and physically. There have actually been several studies done that have looked at racism and mental health and racism and race-related stress. And I don't want to bore you to death with my research, (laughs) but I do want to at least provide some of it to you so that it can maybe pique your interest and you could go on and look up other articles and read different books and things like that. But today I'm going to focus a little bit specifically on some articles. And if you are interested reach out to me and I can also recommend some books that might be of help. So there was a study that was recently done by um, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation or researchers who were funded through the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and the National Institutes of Health that looked at how police killings of unarmed Black Americans influences the mental health of Americans. So they looked at the study both specifically with Black Americans and also with white Americans. And they exposed individuals to both videos of police killings, white Americans, and also police killings of Black Americans. And in the end, what they found as part of this study is that Black Americans were more likely to be affected negatively in terms of their mental health by watching videos of Black Americans being killed. When white Americans watch videos of Black Americans being killed, it didn't have the same effect, nor did it have the same effect when either Black or white Americans watched videos of white Americans being killed. And so... Of course, the complex things to look at within that, but with a highlight in this day and age of social media and the focus on showing these videos of Black unarmed Americans being killed, the thought is that this is going to have a greater effect on the mental health of Black Americans. And so, again, another reason why I felt like this was necessary to to focus in on this episode, specifically on this population. But a second study is by Kwate and Goodman, 
And this study I thought would be interesting to talk about because it was focused on Black Americans in New York City. So sometimes when we look at these studies and we think about this idea of racism, we think about it as something that happens in the South, right? I'm from the South. I grew up there. And so racism is often thought to be something that is more prevalent there and it doesn't happen in more uh, northern states. And so I wanted to pull this particular study because it is a study of a northern state, so New York City specifically. And what they did is they did a study. This was in the American Journal of Public Health. And their studies showed that more frequent experiences with racism actually led to more negative mental health outcomes, specifically individuals who had experienced racism more often, had higher levels of psychological distress, greater symptoms of depression, and they had more days where they were in poor mental health. And these negative effects of racism on mental health clearly require action because in addition to not only living through these situations on a daily basis, it's also having negative effects on overall life quality in essence when it affects your mental health, but mental health and physical health also are clearly linked and individuals who are depressed or who are under a lot of stress, it will eventually take a toll on the physical well-being of an individual. And so it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. It's definitely something that needs action. And as we work toward and continue to push toward a more racially just society and more equitable society, In the meantime, we can't just ignore this as something important that needs action and needs to be addressed. And so unfortunately, or fortunately, you can look at it both ways. It's something that we have to take action on ourselves and that we have to do for ourselves. And the first and foremost important thing, as I was saying before, is the need to fix the larger society. And so I know that for many Black individuals in this country, that is something that you're working towards in your own different ways. It is a part of how you support your mental health. And I'm even going to talk a little bit about it a little later about how it is one of the things that you can do to support yourself in terms of your self-care. But I also want you to take some time to focus on radical self-care. So this is self-care that's focused on you, self-care that you are so invested in just as much as you are invested and feel so strongly about making a change in this country. I want you to be that invested and feel that strongly about supporting yourself in your self-care on a day-to-day basis so that you can be in a space to make changes and to continue on in terms of activism and supporting change in the long haul. So what can you do to support yourself in terms of your self-care? How can you give yourself some love in the midst of living in a society that oftentimes does not show you love? Well, the first thing is 
to find social support. So find individuals that you can talk to about how you feel every time you have to read about something or every time that you experience a microaggression or just overt racism. Who can you talk to about it? Do you have individuals that you can go to, that you can tell them about your experience and these individuals are affirming to you? And these individuals understand what you've been through and you can talk to them without feeling judged or feeling like you, that you have to second guess yourself in the situation that you've just faced. So whether these are friends, whether this is family, whether this is you finding a group, if you don't have a group that you can currently go to or at least one person that you can currently go to, To talk about these things, I encourage you to reach out, whether it's through like social media groups to find groups either in your area or just online that you can reach out and say, hey, this thing happened and it's leaving me feeling this way. How would you take the situation or what do you think this was about? But having that safe space is very important to help you know that you're not crazy and (laughs) this is not stuff that you know, you're making up in your head. It's actually real and it actually happens to other people as well. The second thing that I do in terms of, or that I want to suggest, and I also do in terms of self-care is journaling through your feelings. I remember with the George Floyd murder, I'd reached a place where I was just numb. I wasn't even necessarily in a place where I could go and ask for social support or talk through it with anyone because I wasn't even sure how I was feeling. I just felt numb, like this is happening again. And this time it it felt a little different in that other people, meaning people that were not black, were taking notice and they wanted to talk about it with me and they wanted to engage and check in to see how I was doing. And it was like, okay, this is great that you want to do this. And on one hand, I was glad that, you know, they were People were finally starting to take notice, but on the second hand, I was angry that all these other individuals had lost their lives, and this was the first time that there seemed to be notice of it. I was also just tired, and and like I said, just numb. And at this point, I could talk and mention different emotions, but if you had asked me in the moment, I couldn't name it. There was nothing I could name. It was just exhaustion and numbness. And so one thing that helped me move beyond that to get to a space where I could even name the emotions, because with emotions, one of the key things here is you have to name it to tame it. Before you can really start dealing with your emotions and really start addressing them, you have to be able to say, this is how I feel and put words to it. And so for me, journaling really supported me in being able to do that and to really pull up what it was that was going on in my mind, what it was in terms of my emotions and how I was feeling about the situation to where I was then able to move to a space of reaching out to my support system to discuss it. The next suggestion that I have in terms of self-care is to seek counseling. If, you know, you want to see counseling specifically to talk about issues around racism, 
It's going to be a personal decision for you. For me personally, I found a black therapist because I knew that I wouldn't have to explain the situation and I wouldn't have to explain what was happening on a day-to-day basis in the same way that I've had to in the past when I've had white therapists. I've had both types of therapists and I've had several different therapists and they were all great at their job. There was no one person being better at their, their job necessarily than the other. But for me, it's just always been easier to have those conversations and feel like I can just delve into the work without having to give necessarily the same level of background that I would have to otherwise. With that said, I think the key here is not necessarily the race of the therapist, but more or less the cultural responsivity of the therapist. So is it a therapist that is trained in and that is good at being culturally responsive to their clients? And if that's the case, I think it either way, it'll be fine. But if you are interested specifically in finding, like if you are a black woman specifically and you're looking for a therapist that is also a black woman, there is a podcast called Therapy for Black Girls. And I recommend you listening to that one too. It's great. But as part of the podcast, Dr. Joy also has a website called therapyforblackgirls.com. And you can actually go on to that website and find a therapist in your area. So a black woman therapist in your area. So then the next thing is limiting social media intake. For me, this was key I talked about doing this specifically for COVID-19. This is also something that I did just to get me through some of my initial numbness and the trauma that comes up for me each and every time that I watch a video of another Black person being killed. I know this has been discussed somewhat, but I want to talk about it from like my own perspective. And, and I really, really do hope that you all reach out and we can have more conversations on this. As I'm watching these videos, lots of emotions come up. So of course there are emotions of like anger and sadness and helplessness. But then I've found over time that these videos were very traumatizing for me. Traumatizing in the sense that The videos leave me feeling helpless. The videos leave me feeling anxious. The videos leave me just very fearful. I know that this is also the experience for many others out there. And I am torn because on one hand, I feel that I want to honor the person by saying, I see you, I see what's happened to you. But at the same time, I feel... And so I no longer want to traumatize myself. And so what I've decided to do on my own, and and I've talked to different people and they've all chosen to do different things. I know many people that still feel that they need to watch the videos is I no longer watch the video, but I make sure that I know what's happened and that I'm up to date and that I can honor them in the sense of knowing their story and knowing that we need to fight for whichever individual it may be. We have such a long list of names at this point. But again, I've I've stopped watching those videos and that's been one way that I've supported my own self-care. 
for you, it may be that you just need to take a break from the social media if there is or when something comes up, if it is resulting in a lot of anxiety for you or sadness or just a lot of negative emotion, just refraining from going online, from watching the news for a few days, maybe giving yourself a day or, or two, or finding a way to consume the information where you're getting the facts, but you're not putting yourself so much into it that you are feeling the overwhelm and the trauma and the sadness and all of those emotions. The next thing that I want to suggest is to find ways to empower yourself, empower your community during these times. So especially now that we're in this space of more of an anti-racist movement, For me, it's been helpful to think through how can I empower the Black community? How can I empower my children? How can I empower my husband? How can I empower those that I see on a day-to-day basis? So whether it's by affirming my children and letting them know how amazing they are, how lucky they were to be born as a Black girl in America, whether it's finding Black-owned businesses for me to support. For you, it may be protesting. It may be giving money to different organizations. It may be volunteering. It may be taking time to check in with your friends and family and calling them. It may be sharing this podcast with someone and giving them a chance to hear about some of the ways that they can be supporting their self-care. But In all of this, finding ways that you can help in some small way to support and empower others will help you to feel like you're making a difference, especially when we're in a space and a time where a lot of times it feels hopeless. It gives you that hope and it helps you to move on and persevere. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about was this idea of setting boundaries to help in reducing your stress. This can be boundaries in terms of trying to reduce your workload, trying to reduce your stress levels at home, trying to reduce the emotional baggage that you're able to take on at this moment, and just giving yourself the space and the time to reflect the time to heal through this and the time to really focus in on your emotions and supporting yourself. So with all the things I mentioned before, especially with the last one about empowering others, this doesn't necessarily take away from that. For example, you don't have to be the go-to person for all things related to Black Lives Matter and related to equity and inclusion at this time. Perhaps you want to think through a couple of things that you want to take on and support and help and talk through, but you don't have to be the guru for everything because you are the black person in the office. And you don't have to be the guru for everything because you are the one black friend. This may mean providing support in times and in places and spaces that you feel that you have the emotional energy to give. But in other times, it may just be having a list of resources, if you even want to do that, 
that you can say, you know, I'm not really in the space where I can give this right now, but here's a list of books, articles, things that you may want to research or look into. And so find ways that you can set those boundaries so that you can give yourself the time you need for self-care. And with all of this, just know that, and I continue to pass this on, this message on, because it is so true. Know that you are enough. You're important. Your work and everything that you're doing to support your community, the day-to-day things that you're doing to support your family, the children in your lives, for those of you that are educators, the day-to-day work that you're doing to support the children in your classrooms, in your community, in your schools is so, so important. And we want you to continue that work. And to do so, please, please take some time and engage in the self-care that you need. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please visit drtiabarnes.com for show notes. And while you're there, feel free to leave a note. I'd love to connect. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about it. Don't forget to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Thank you to ColetteMcKenzie.com for providing podcast management services for this show. See you all next week. And as always, take care. Take care.